Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode of the show is supported by Crank Brothers and Cossack Bikes. The Cossack Rocket Max is their 160mm enduro weapon and I've been riding one for the past six months. The first thing to say is that it is not heavy. There's no reason why a well-designed steel bike can't be a decent weight in this category and Cossack have delivered. When it comes to how it rides, hang on to your hats, this thing is fast. I can genuinely say that the only thing I've ridden that is faster than this is a downhill bike, but the Rocket Max climbs too and climbs surprisingly well, which means that I've made it up some local technical climbs for the first time ever on this bike. Somehow, even though it's really quite long and slack, it remains a lively and fun bike to ride, but it's super composed when it comes to the fast flat out sections. Riding it really does put a massive grin on your face, and if there's any racing going on, then I reckon the Rocket Max would be just a ticket. Cotic are making these bikes right here in the UK and they're available now over at cotic.co.uk. Cotic is so confident that you'll love it that if you don't, they'll give you your money back. Head to cotic.co.uk now to find out more. After a long time on flat pedals, I've been having a go at being clipped in, and for this experiment, I've chosen the Crank Brothers Mallet DH pedals. They're super adjustable, have an easy release cleat option, and let's face it, they're race proven, with every downhill elite world champion since 2015 being on those pedals. If you've listened to yesterday's episode, then you'll have heard me talk about getting them set up. Today, I want to talk a bit about my approach to getting used to them. So to start off with, I just spent some time lent against the wall, getting used to clipping in and out. So I had a rough idea of what I was doing before I set off. And I can also start bedding in the springs of the pedals. Then I found a nice flat piece of land where I could roll around and get a feel for everything. Basically just setting off, clipping in, doing a few pedal strokes and then coming to a stop. From that, I made a few small tweaks for the cleat position just to make it feel like my feet were in the same position that they would be in with flats. After that, it was a case of riding trails that I know well in reasonably dry conditions, so that I wasn't worried about clipping out and keeping in mind that I needed to clip out before I came to a stop too. I was pleasantly surprised and it all felt pretty good to be fair. I actually found it harder to get the hang of clipping in quickly than I did clipping out, so that's something that needs some practice. Once I'd increased in confidence, I started to ride them when the conditions were a bit more slippery and this is where it started to get interesting. I'm so used to being able to dangle a foot or use a little dab to collect things when it gets a bit wild. And I actually found myself trying to pull my foot off the pedal when things got a bit out of control. And uh, and as a result, unsettling the bike even more. However, I didn't crash as a result of any of those events, which um, I guess suggests that I'm taking my foot off unnecessarily a lot of the time. So something I need to try and unlearn. I've only actually had one little dirt nap as a result of being able to unclip and that was from sliding down and off camber into a patch of soft loam uh, and stalling the bike and I wasn't able to unclip quick enough at this time. So as with anything, it's going to take some time and I think it's a really good idea not to ride anything too crazy or too slippery too soon. In the next episode, I'll talk a bit about uh, where I've got to with them, the benefits and where I'm going to go from there. If you're interested in getting clipped in yourself, then Crank Brothers are going to give three lucky listeners a pair of clipping pedals of their choice, along with a new M20 multi-tool to install them with. All you need to do to enter is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash Crank Brothers and fill in your details there. You've got until the end of October to get that done. You can also check out the entire range of goodies over at crankbrothers.com. Don't forget to make sure you subscribe to the show. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. Super easy to do with the buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. While you're on that page, you can also join my newsletter for a weekly dose of interesting bike related stuff, competitions, products I've been enjoying and more. 
If you want to support the show, there's a few things you can do. You can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop and grab yourself a treat where we've got t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies, all 100% organic, printed to order and shipped with no single-use plastic. Or you can give the podcast a quick review over on iTunes. It's really quick to do, they're lovely to read and it helps others find the show. All right, finally, after over a year, we've got some world-level racing to talk about and it started out with the biggest race of the year, World Champs. As ever, I'm joined by the awesome Nico Malali and Elliot Jackson to find out what went down. We chat weather, changing conditions, ruts, setup and more. I'll be honest, there's a small technical issue with a very small amount of Nico's audio. You can still hear it all and it's really only a couple of percent of the time, but apologies for that. We'll try and get it sorted for next time. All right, without further ado, here's Nico and Elliot. All right, well, it's been a while. We've been waiting in the wings, but uh, the band's back together. Um, it's awesome to be chatting about racing with uh, Nico Mullally and Elliot Jackson again. First up, Nico, welcome back. It's been a while. How's things? Yeah, thank you. Things are good. We're we're finally racing again. So um, I'm happy to be back in Europe. And I realized how much I loved it this summer, not being able to do it. So. <laughs> Um, glad we're, glad <laughs> how much you love Europe or how much you love racing? I'd say racing downhill. <laughs> Fair we'll enough. Get into that. <laughs> and Elliot, how are you? We, uh, we haven't spoken for a couple of weeks. You all good? Yeah, man. I feel like, like I was thinking about these, these shows and I was like, why haven't we done one in a while? And then I realized that, um, yeah, of course. Just a little global pandemic. Yep, yep. There was some a <laughs> uh, little bit of static going on there. Righty ho. Well, let's get stuck into it then, and um, and I guess Nico will start off with you. But to, yeah, first off, did you even think we'd be having a World Champs this year? There was definitely a time this summer where I didn't think so. Um, as soon as the first couple of races started to get cancelled, it was like, oh well, it's optimistic for that second half of the season. Um, the season already this year with back when it was scheduled to go had like two halves. It was like four races and then a break with the Olympics and then another half. And at one point we're like, Oh, well the first couple look like they're, they might not happen, but at least the second half should be good. And then once they re slotted the schedule and put, put a revised schedule out for the second half of the season and a couple of those started to get canceled, then it was looking pretty worrying. And I, 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 after the first three of the new schedule got canceled, I didn't think that it was going to happen. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was looking like at one point that the guys from the US weren't going to be allowed into Europe, right? Did you think that it might happen without you at some point? Yeah, for sure. Then, then everybody that I talked to was like, yeah, but Worlds, they really want to do Worlds. The Worlds is the most important race for the UCI and the organizer themselves really wants to do it. So it looked like they were going to do that either way. Um, but then it was at a time when U S couldn't travel to Europe. So there was some confusion there. And then also with, um, at world Z race for your national federation. So it was a question of if USA cycling was going to let us race. Um, of course they could have taken this perspective of not thinking it was safe and not wanting to be responsible or involved for sending people into Europe when, it wasn't allowed or wasn't advised. So there was like question there. Um, but in the end it was actually, um, a little bit, a little bit of 
difficulty and ahead of time getting all the documents ready. But once we had the paperwork, it wasn't as hard as, as people have made it out to the end of your own. Yeah, so you had to jump through a few hoops to get there then. Which I understand in this current situation. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe don't seem consistent, but if it deters a lot of people from traveling that may help to spread a virus, then, then that's fine. I I just follow the rules and, and <laughs> do as they ask. And I'm happy to be able to race, so I don't, I don't really get too worked up about all the extra hassle yeah what sort of controls were in the were in place over the the week of worlds then what what kind of stuff were you guys having to to do that was different from normal other than the obvious i guess of wearing masks a lot of the time yeah um we had to stay in our team bubble so um you could either be in your national team bubble or your uci team bubble and i stayed with the intense team so we weren't really supposed to come in contact with people from another bubble um we had to get tested before we got to the venue to make sure that we were negative. Um, and there was just a lot more strict, um, like pass controls and everything. Like we had to have the rainbow pass to get anywhere, which is, if you know, rainbow pass, it's like a, it's a really big credential and we had to like ride with it. Basically we had to use it to get like to the lift station, back to the pit. Um, so that, that was like a little bit of a hassle. Sometimes you had to have so many forms of identification to get into certain places, but they didn't want anybody who wasn't supposed to be there or that could infect the rest of us. I don't know if that's the right word. If you can infect the virus. Just get, yeah, did you, you did it seem like there were a lot of people there? No, it seemed pretty quiet to be honest. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of the top riders there, obviously, a few were missing, but um, like even just racing, crossing the finish line, there was nobody there. So it was kind <laughs> of a weird feeling. But um, all in all, I mean, it was as much as we can talk about how different it was, it was still uh, the same feeling of being at a World Cup or World Champs. It was most of it from a rider's perspective. Um, the, the racing portion was the same. So. Yeah. be happy about that definitely man and had you heard much about the track changes before you got there were there rumors circulating about what had gone on yeah the, there was rumors about a um, more technical bottom section some some fresh stuff that seemed pretty sounded good by the sounds of it and, um it wasn't i didn't expect it to be as different as it was it was a completely different leo gang track um both the the way that the top was kind of prepped you could say like they refreshed a lot of the sections um and then it rained on it so it redded up really bad. and then they also taped it kind of differently and way more technical than in the past and then the bottom section was completely new obviously so um just thinking of like i watched the replay before we went on track walk i do that sometimes just to have it fresh in my mind like what worked the year before and then I was like, well, this is useless. I could have watched a replay from a different <laughs> race. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Like we go to the same tracks year after year and everybody says they're the same or too easy or something. So I appreciate their effort to try to change the track. Yeah. What did you think then when you saw that new bottom section on track walk? Cause it's a, it's a massive change from, from what we've had there in the past. I, I really liked it and it was, I, I was a, after after everything, I think it's a little bit 
Um, I hope people, they don't get scared away from doing stuff like this in the future. It was just the weather condition. And a, a little part of me thinks that they need to expect that it's October in Europe and that it's probably going to rain. Um, so the, the way that they built that track was not very sustainable to that type of weather. Um, and a little bit could have gone a long way to make it somewhere in between where it was and the old track. But um, I appreciate the change. And, and like I said, how many times do the riders say that Leo Gang is too easy and there's nothing to separate people? And then they put something really cool in and they, they, if it was dry and dusty in July, like that, that would have been such a sick section. It would have been like some, the older valve soul stuff is what it kind of reminded me of. Um, but it was just the way that it, that it all ended up with the weather. Um, well, so like I said, they had to kind of expect that that could have happened. Um, it had just ended up being on the, on the border of being rideable, which, um, yeah, definitely separated people. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What What about you, Elliot? What did you think once you'd seen the uh, the weather forecast and the changes to the track? Did you Did you want to be there, or were you pretty happy at home? <laughs> I was extremely happy at home, um, <laughs> mostly because of the snow that was going on. But yeah. I was thinking, Nico, it reminded me of like the last time I raced Fort William. Um, and that muddy section, like the wood section, it, it was like that for like two minutes or something. Was it worse? Yeah, it was, it was, like you said, it was like that for like two minutes. I guess the difference is this was a lot steeper. So once you started, it, it was funny cause it was steep and then there was be a flat weird part, but there mm-hmm. was some sections where once you committed into it, there was no getting out. Like it was pretty, um, gnarly or like the one in fort william just felt like it was a gamble this one felt like you were scared to ride it and it was you're gonna make it there's a lot a lot um yeah just just gnarly like you can't tell on tv how steep it is but um like the the first half at least of that thing like where guys are doing that inside line over the bridge that that was so steep and committed and you couldn't see what was on the other side and you were jumping into more than axle deep ruts with roots in them and yeah it was it was super hard it was what, and it, what was the hardest part about that whole section um i would say towards the bottom of it actually became a little harder because there were like small drops um that you couldn't just completely roll you had to like get the front wheel up a little bit uh, but there was like 90 degree square turns into them with roots and um, it, it just became pretty physical. I thought towards the bottom of it in the race run to keep the bike running forward and to like keep the momentum going and be on top of the whole, you know, like if, if it wasn't so slip and not in that condition, if there are holes like that, you wouldn't want to just roll into them all you had, you would want to kind of stay on top of them and to try to keep that momentum and stay on top of the holes while it was so muddy and the, so much force pulling the bike side to side. I thought it came pretty physical to do a full run in that. Um, so that I'd say that was the toughest thing was to just keep the momentum without, um, as soon as you made one mistake, it was, it was killing that momentum. So that was, the yeah, toughest. you could yeah. see that as soon as people kind of lost their speed, they found it really hard to get the bike rolling again. Like it looked pretty claggy as well. And there's definitely 
although it was steep, there was definitely some areas in that woods without enough gradient to really help out, right? Is is that that the case? You just got to kind of keep it keep it moving. Yeah, and and sometimes it would honestly feel pretty easy if you could keep it moving, um, but with the condition that it was, it was like really hard to keep just a steady pace. Um, and, and like some of the places that looked like they were super flat and kind of keep momentum into it was a super steep section into it. And then a rut that was also axle deep to the flat <laughs> or uphill. So to like, you would come in with so much momentum and like almost G out in like an axle deep mud rut with both pedals dragging and then try to carry that momentum back up a little, little hill or a flat section. It was just, and then at that point you're four, like three and a half minutes into your run or more. And it was, um, it was just tough to keep all that stuff hitting, hitting your marks very precisely for there. Yeah. So how, how do you approach a, a race week like that? Because the weather, it was pretty wet, I think on track walk and then obviously starting off with a wet track, but it was drying through practice, but with snow and rain fairly certain for race day. How do you, how do you think about your approach through a week like that? Are you looking at wet lines and, and drier lines are you building a couple of different sort of models of the track in your head like how do you decide what to focus on yeah there was a few sections that there was multiple lines that some of them kind of worked a little better when the when it was a little drier on on the either the friday or the saturday um but i mean for me i knew i knew i knew what the weather forecast was and um, I, I tried to, like you say, ride a few different lines and see what was, if, if this one blows out, then I can go to this one. Um, and honestly, most of that was towards the top section. The, the way that they had the stump section taped, there was a lot of gnarly lines in there. And like, I think a lot of you guys at home watched like that triple out over the yeah. stumps into the motorway, which if you greased that, that was like a few seconds. Like there's rarely mm -hmm. a, a gap on a, or one, Thing on a track that you can do to gain so much time i saw guys that would get it really nice could hit the both wooden kickers wow. and clear them to the backside which would you know that could be a four or five second total advantage if you can butter that gap um, but it was getting worse there was getting a rut in the takeoff that was blowing out um and the weather for the race day was going to be the worst of it all so for me, I was like, man, this is a pretty big risk. I watched a bunch of people slam on it and I tried to find the next best option, which I did feel like a bit of a wimp not jumping it. But in the end, watching the final, nobody jumped it and a lot of people still crashed on it. So that was kind of like um, playing it smart, I guess you could say. But the bottom section, uh, there wasn't really many lines. Like you were in a rut that you couldn't get out of. You, It was how you wrote it, keeping the momentum going your braking points and um, just trying to carry that, keep that speed, keep the bike rolling. So there wasn't like a place where you could choose a line per se down there. It was kind of um, just how you rode the track. So I didn't really consider too many options. You would say I was just um, trying to get practice riding it in practice and then get myself in the right mindset to do it in the race. Yeah. What about setup, both like for the bike and for, you know, kit and yourself? Because 
even on the nice days, I think it was relatively chilly compared to a lot of races that you guys end up at. What what sort of stuff are you doing to to keep your body going, to keep yourself warm and dry as much as you can be, and then to to get the bike ready to work in those temperatures? Yeah, I, for me, I had thermals on underneath, so a long base layer, um, pants and jersey. Um, I had when it was when it was actually snowing or raining. I had a, a pretty warm vest. Um, I don't always love to ride in a jacket because even with elbow pads and a jacket, the shoulder or elbow could be kind of tight. So it's tough to feel like you have the mobility you need with a with a rain jacket on sometimes. So I have a really nice fox rain like rain winter vest that I wore, um, and that kept me pretty warm. Um, I had winter socks on which I don't normally need to ride downhill at a world <laughs> cup. Um, so yeah, keeping that stuff warm, having fresh gloves in case you, you crashed. Um, uh, during the big practice day, I had like a towel with me in case I got my grips all muddy. I could clean them off, clean my hands off. Um, goggles with tear offs. I had three sets ready to go in the pit. So, um, sometimes I'd go through four or five tear offs in a practice run and, then I get grab the next set. Um, and then I guess from the bike perspective, I was running uh, our mud tires cut. Um, even though like it, the bottom section, it was like, it didn't really matter what tire you were on. It was going to be what it was. Um, so to speak and a full mud on the top, there was still some of the old hard pack stuff. So, um, I ended up running the mud tire that we have, which is a pretty long mud tire, um, cut which worked pretty well for I me. Mean, I thought it was a similar setup to what most guys were running. Um, I had a fender, obviously. I almost always run the fender anyway. I had a back fender on to try to keep mud from getting clogged in the center of my bike and the linkage and everything, which I don't normally use. Um, and then I had some moto foam, which is that like plasticky foam that mud doesn't stick as easily to. So I had some of that around some of the... Um, places that mud could kind of build up around my shock and everything. Um, yeah, that's, I'd say that's pretty much the most of what was different on my bike. Did you, did you drop tire pressures at all or change any suspension setup? Cause I guess oil is going to be a bit thicker, especially on race day when it was like a couple of degrees. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't change my suspension settings so much. I kind of ran what I was used to comfortable with. It was, it was a weird one because some of the holes were so big from breaking that you kind of needed the support. You couldn't really run like a soft setup that was going to grip well in the mud. Um, you needed the bike to hold up and not just blow through travel when you hit some of those holes. And even the very first section out of the start gate that was so rough when you hit some of those compressions, they're getting so deep from everybody hitting the same spot that, um, I ended up leaving the suspension the way it was. Um, I tried to keep the bike in the, there was like a warm up tent and some heaters and stuff. And I tried to keep it in there as long as I could. I don't know if that really helped. They were trying to call us out like five minutes before our run and it was snowing outside. I was like, I'm going to stay here for another three minutes. <laughs> um, so I tried to do that, but, um, Tire pressure, I definitely went a bit lower, and I kind of run lower tire pressure in the in the rain and mud. And I've practiced at home a bunch in it, so um, yeah, just bumping the tire pressure down was really the main setup wise change that I did, other than the little pieces for the mud. Yeah, and it was a new bike as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I, I was riding the new mixed wheel size Intense prototype. Um, they're calling it the M279, which uh, was Aaron's design, well, basically his request of what he wanted. Um, after last season, he kind of decided that he was between the frame sizes and he wanted to ride a bike that was designed around the mixed wheel size. So um, he's been riding that all year. And I got on one of, of we got more extra frames made throughout the summer and I got on one to ride and felt pretty comfortable on it. Um, the bike is a little bit different all around. It's, it's the, the kinematic and everything is a little bit more the direction I was wanting to go. So um, it's not necessarily an apples to apples comparison where it's just a smaller rear wheel. It's got a few different things to it, but um, I feel comfortable on it. It's a little bit small for me. I see sometimes in, in photos, I'm like, man, I look pretty cramped on that bike. It looks like a jib bike or something. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it, anyway, I feel, I feel super comfortable riding it. I think there's some advantages to it. And uh, my idea, I'm going to be able to get one made the size that I want. So I wanted to race it these couple of races and then go back and say, Hey, I want it this reach and this rear end um, after spending enough time to, to really make that choice. Yeah. Do you think mixed wheel size, having that smaller rear wheel through that steep section was any benefit? I know there's a, there's a decent chunk of people running the mixed wheel size bikes now, but a bit, uh, bit more ability to move around over the back end of the bike. Yeah, definitely in sections. I think so for sure. Um, maybe some of those steeper stump things that we had to roll over where the rear wheel comes up, um, to your butt really close. Like it's nice to have that extra range of motion to absorb the terrain. Um, I don't know about the ruts at the bottom though. That seemed like in that deep of mud, like axle deep mud, if you've got an extra 20 mil of axle height, then yeah, your bottom bracket's the same, but it could be better to be on a 29er through some of that. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's terrible no matter what you do. So I don't think it's like, <laughs> uh, if I only had an extra 20 mil axle height. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, people on full 29ers were still struggling, weren't they? So it's not the answer for sure. Right, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Elliot, what uh, what about you? Were you sat at home watching practice throughout the week? Are you, were you hitting refresh waiting for Vital Raw to pop up or have you kind of stayed away from it a bit with not being there this year? Yeah, I didn't like dive into the um, all the coverage too much. I watched, uh, I watched uh, Greg's helmet cam, I think it was um and then brooks as well and uh it, it reminded me of the old leo gang yeah at least in practice the first practice day where there was all these ruts it looked so good um but i i thought it was just interesting um just kind of trying to think about like what it would feel like to be there and have this like pretty much over a year of build-ups and then going straight into world champs i thought that that was a kind of an interesting thing and i definitely thought that uh you could see some of the riders like especially remy theron's run um where he was just kind of like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what happens yeah that was amazing as well especially being as that's the venue where he he broke his back or or had that bad injury it was on the bottom jump i think wasn't it into the finish totally that long ago so yeah 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 like and you know it's so i was kind of looking at um 
somebody on pink bike did a little sector breakdown and stuff. So I was kind of looking through those and it was sector four. Um, it was actually kind of interesting because um, sector one and two, you kind of had the, the pieces of the track. There was like those kind of classic technical bits where um, Nico was talking about the, the triple onto the motorway um, and Thibaut de Perella, he won that yeah. section. He was looking super good. He was like fourth in the first one, first in the next one, second on the motorway. And he had like, of course, like McKenna's up there. Um, and then it was like kind of two different tracks where it seemed like at least to me where there was kind of some typical mindset maybe that you had to be in where you're just like, cool, I'm going to push. Like you saw riders come out of the gate really, really aggressive, even across that um, off camber bit at the beginning, which to me looked insane as well. So I think it just showed how gnarly that lower part was, but you kind of had to ride that, that top bit um, like aggressive, like you would a normal race and then regroup, and try to just stay on. But it was interesting because you had some people who were riding it really aggressive, like kind of Troy and Remy. And then I, I didn't get to see Reese's run. Um, I would have loved to see him come through there, but it was crazy because David Trummer was a second back on sector four. So that first wood section and then Fishbach was third there. Um, and then Mark Wallace and Bernard Kerr. So it's like Mark Wallace is one of those people where I would expect him to just smash everyone in that stuff. And and it was crazy to see him like not even dab a foot through all of that stuff is just so, so gnarly. I can't even imagine, but Chummer also like came off that win in, in Innsbruck and it was, um, you know, pretty muddy and, and wet and Rudy as well. Like, especially that bottom section, there was a couple of um, kind of awkward turns. So he's, I don't know. He's like turning out to be this like crazy technical all around crazy fast guy, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And going on to a pro team definitely doesn't seem to have slowed him down this time. So yeah, he's in a good place, I think. Yeah. 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 Actually, I mean, I didn't get to talk to him much, but I, in the little interview, I kind of asked him about that and he was like, yeah, I mean, it feels the same. Like, obviously there's uh, a lot more support and stuff like that. But I, I think that that goes to show how like mentally there he is because it's, it's like not a small deal, even though you're on the same bike, um, going to the same places, you know, like I think he was on Fox and everything last year as well. It, just being in a new team environment is so crazy different. Um, there's more pressure. You have way more resources to use. You know, you'd have, you know, food and mechanic and, you know, nice hotel, like all this stuff that does make this huge difference uh, mentally when you're like going into a race weekend. So for him to just not even miss a beat is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's impressive stuff. But yeah, Nico, let's chat a little bit about race day then. And, and to start off with, I'm kind of interested. Could you see the race coverage while you're in that warm-up tent? It looked like there was a TV show in the race. Yeah, we could. And I watched a few runs while I was warming up. And I'm glad I did. I don't normally at a regular race, but um, 
I wanted to see kind of how it was running and what, what issues people were having, what was working, what wasn't mainly in that, in that bottom section. I knew what I was going to do the full, the top section of the track, but, um, just seeing like a bunch of guys that could, could keep the bike moving and keep their feet on seemed to make such a difference. If you could make that happen rather than making one mistake, getting mud on your gloves, losing the momentum was going to just compound into more time. So, um, I think I watched Jack Moyers run and he wrote it really nicely. So yeah. I thought, Hey, if Jack can ride through that mud, so can I. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how different was your race run to your final practice run? I've heard quite a few people say that the track had changed a lot by the time you guys got on it in, in the afternoon. Yeah, it did. It was, um, it was a little stickier maybe cause it, it stopped. It was raining during our practice at the, it was snowing at the top and raining down there. Um, and then it, it stopped for a while and then started to pick up a little bit. So I think it maybe got a little bit stickier during the race. Um, and some of the ruts had blown out, like the one off that the gnarlier section that in the bottom off that bridge where you dropped into a hook rut, that, that hook was kind of pushed. So it was, um, it was hard to get out of it and get up over the roots to stay high in the next section. You saw a bunch of guys get pushed low and then and other guys were kind of like in the bog down at the bottom. So yeah. that, that's definitely hard with that rut pushing out. I, I thought that that was interesting because like you're saying, it's, it seemed like you could tell the riders that had picked a line and weren't expecting it to have changed. They, I couldn't really tell, but it looked like, Danny maybe was trying to go low and it turned out that that bottom rut was just a bog, like you're saying, because he came off of that, um, that, you know, steep little bridge thing, uh, way faster than everyone else. And it looked like he was like aiming for that bottom rut, which would have probably been a good line if it hadn't rained all day. Um, and, uh, well, it's more the bikes pushing it out, you know, like so many guys coming through it can, that that can only hold up so long. Yeah. So how do you deal with a, with a track that's probably quite different from what you rode earlier on that day? I guess, I mean, are you riding on instinct to rather than on kind of a, a, a plan that's in your head a bit? Like how, how does that work? Um, I guess my mindset to it is to just try to ride it and be conscious that everyone's going to make a mistake. So come in and um, try to carry momentum. And when you have a mistake, get, just keep rolling. Like everybody's going, going to, nobody's going to get through there. Perfect. So try to uh, make as much time as you can. And, and you know, you still, you're still in it. If you, even if you fall down or have a, a big stall or something. So um, it almost takes a little bit of pressure off, I guess you could say, cause it's, it's not as, straightforward of a race anymore it's like if you don't if you don't make it through there you're one of the majority at that point (laughs) rather than than, oh man you threw it away so um yeah it kind of just changes your mindset i wouldn't say like a a lot of the guys definitely like had big expectations but when you're in conditions like that it's like oh what are you gonna do you know it's like you do all you can do is your best and you can't you can't stress out so much about being so precise as you would in a normal run. Yeah. And yeah. and how was your race run? Were you, were you happy with it? It looked pretty good from what I saw on the coverage. I was pretty happy with it. I, I felt like I, I did kind of what Elliot said, where I tried to push 
at the top and carry good speed, make good time up there. Um, and then towards the bottom, uh, the, f- the first few sections of that wood, I had kind of blown out where you come off the cow field. I went like low into the pad and then um, just a few almost almost crashes in the first second. I mean, like everyone. And I kind of toned it back after that and was like, all right, dude, just stay on the bike. Like it's going to be way faster to keep rolling than it will to to have a, a stall or a crash. So um, I definitely felt like I, I rode very slowly to not crash at the bottom, which I can't say I'm, hey, I'm super proud. I rode so slow I didn't crash. But <laughs> I I kept it rolling. It was a good strategy. And um, I, I finished 21st in the end, which I'm happy with. That's a decent result at World Champs. But, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a tough tough race to, you know, it'd be easy to go a little faster and have an issue. So, um, I'm glad I got through the weekend. There was a bunch of a bunch of riders that have injuries or small injuries, like even guys that are just beat up coming into this weekend, um, which I didn't really want to think too much about. Like, I didn't want my plan for Worlds to be influenced by a World Cup after. But um, I can say that afterwards, I am glad that I'm healthy and hundred percent to to race the double header this weekend. Yeah. And who stood out for you? Uh, have you had much chance to kind of watch some of the racing back or? I watched it from the finish. I was, I was freezing cold. I didn't have a jacket or anything. <laughs> I sat down at the bottom and watched the riders come through. Um, I, I thought honestly, the, of the last couple guys, Troy looked the best. It was a shame. He kind of crashed entering the woods there, but he was rolling and keeping the momentum moving more than anybody else even once he got back on the bike and he was he was right in touch before that so i thought mm-hmm. that he which is surprising because it's it's like that dude's not i would expect danny hart or somebody like that that comes from mud to to push more but i don't think it's ever muddy in south australia so <laughs> it was it was cool to see that um and then like some of the guys like i said like you would expect maybe danny when he came on screen, he wasn't he wasn't charging as hard as say um, Remy Tyrion. Like when he came in, he was pushing, but he was also <laughs> having mistakes. So you saw a clip of him coming over the bridge. Which, if you had seen that section in person, what he did was absolutely insane. Like to ride that section high all the way to that bridge, and then you're pretty much like going off a diving board to your death after that <laughs> if you do it from the high line. So he like jumped past the rut and missed it and ended up, it was, it was cool because like he went in fully committed, which was awesome. And he got a medal, which is, which is super cool for him, but he took all that risk there. And then afterwards he carried so much momentum that it stalled him out and that he wasn't able to carry it out in the next section. And I, I feel like if he would have just rode the main line and just carried consistent speed, um, maybe more like Troy or Trummer did a really good job of that. It might have worked out better for him. But you could see when dudes would enter the wood if they were if they were fully pushing, like right. taking the risk, or if they were just getting through it. And I don't know. It was, it was a good. It had to be a good mix of the two, I guess, to to really get through. And I thought Trummer did it really well. He pushed hard at the top and um, tried to make his time there, and then keep the bike rolling at the bottom, but. Um, he made it look easy. He was still going fast. I think that he always kind of rides like that, where it doesn't. He can't tell how fast he's going, but right, he yeah. um he had a really good strategy, really minimizing mistakes. Him or Mark Wallace kind of did a similar thing, where 
they were just deceivingly fast because they were not making it look so exciting as some of the other guys were. Yeah. Elliot, were you surprised to see Reese take the win? Um, I mean, I would have to say yes, but like also no, because he's been so, he's like one of those riders who's so skilled and I think he wants it so bad. Um, and it rains like 500 <laughs> days out of the year in Scotland. So <laughs> yeah, perfect training. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it was really cool. And, you know, personally as well, this race in general was, it reminded me of like how World Cup racing used to be, um, where I don't want to say, because as a racer, like I don't, I never really raced anything this gnarly. I remember like Australia that one year was super gnarly, but it like, you know, it wasn't nearly that steep and Maribel was a bit gnarly when it rained, but again, like nothing like this. Um, but I do feel like it was, it made it really exciting because you had a chance to make it make up time. Like, because the track was so difficult, I mean, there is like a balance, like somewhere in the middle, but I feel like, uh, in lately in years past where you would see somebody who was like up at the first split or something, it's like, Oh, okay. Like they're just going to win the race. Um, and it wasn't like that here at all. Like it was, it was super exciting as a fan. And I like, there's gotta be a, maybe a little bit toned back (laughs) where like it's, you know, it's not so random, but, um, I, I do like that. It was, it was like more difficult than, than it has been recently. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It made things a bit exciting and a three second gap first to second, is uh it's pretty substantial in modern modern racing and certainly at Leergang, I think that would have been the top ten at least for the last few years there. So yeah, yeah, for sure. What and what about the women's racing? I mean, it was a massive shame. Valley looked like she was uh really killing it and you know showed everyone what she could do in the qualifier, but hooked up must have been pretty nasty. I think she hooked up on that big gap out of the woods in last practice. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't know what happened. I saw something about her. Did she? case the case the gap yeah i guess so nika do you know any more about that or i don't know exactly what she did but i heard she crashed on that gap um the morning of practice which is like say a bummer she was she was probably really looking forward to it being in her home country and yeah really well yeah yeah that was it it was also um i don't know the women looked really good i thought like especially like see them riding that top section that you come out of the come out of the gate and like everyone, you know, Tani and Miriam like taking that high line um on the off camber. I was like, wow, everyone's riding really good. And it was kind of cool to see things like shake up a bit, even before mm-hmm. you know you had Miriam and Tani crash. There was like Monica Harasnik was up there. Um and then Noga Corin actually was like third at the second split Enduro Racer. Um yeah. And then for the motorway, it was like Nina Hoffman and, and, and Camille, which was seeing her win was so cool. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've hung out with her a lot. Uh, and I remember like the first year she started racing, like it was only a couple of years ago. And um, she's just progressed so quickly and kind of has like a perfect attitude for downhill racing where she's 
cares a ton, but it's also just super chill. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how she was able to do that, but I think, um, also Marine won that fourth sector by four seconds, which was, yeah. um, crazy. Yeah, it's a shame because she had that crash up the top and uh, still managed to push on and take risk lower down. So I guess she, she, she hadn't decided it was done by that point. Right, right. And that was actually cool to see. Like a lot of the riders um, knew that. Like they crashed. Like saw Greg and like Troy and like everyone got back on, and <laughs> it was like I could still win the race, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it was nice to see, rather than like you know people having to tip over and. Um, and then just cruising down. But yeah, for the women, I, I think it's so cool. Like it, it, it does seem like everyone's kind of up their game a little bit and it's, it's much more competitive. Tani and, and Miriam were kind of the favorites and they looked really good, I thought. So I'll be interested to see coming into these next races, like how Camille does, how like Monica Krasnick does, if they can keep, keep that going. I know Marine, um, was sick like most of the year and and all that stuff so good to see her like back up there at the top as well yeah and shout out to michaela parton as well another scott up there taking fifth in what i think was her first ever world champs i think she was pretty blown away so yeah that's yeah. crazy scottish definitely seemed to know how to handle mud that's for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is like I, if that's what i rode in all the time i would just not ride bikes like that would have just never started <laughs> <laughs> Nico, how was Dakota? Because he looked like he, out of everyone, he had one of the roughest rides of the day. Yeah, he he was definitely a bit bummed at the bottom, but once he watched the last guys come and do all the same things as, as him, he was like, "Okay, I wasn't the only one." Um, <laughs> but he he was, was fine. He, like, it was a rough crash. Yeah, he had a big big one there. Um, him and Luca, I was. I was bummed. A few people were like, oh, you're the top American rider. I'm like, that's not a compliment. All my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen so many helmet peaks missing, uh, throughout a week. Like uh, uh, that, I mean, the crash rate at that race must be higher than any race for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if you walked down and looked at that, you, you wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I think all the, those dudes are okay. They just, um, little banged up but no no injury from them anyway no injuries yeah and great to see jack moyer on uh on top form as well like uninjured seems to be settling into to canyon pretty well he's been smashing the enduro world series and then in doing that on a downhill bike as well he must be pretty fired up for maribor this weekend yeah absolutely jack did awesome he he crushed at those enduros getting a couple of podiums and then yeah coming to world champs after he he said he hadn't really ridden or trained for downhill all all year. He just kind of got got on the bike after finale, and yeah, put in a sixth place, which is pretty amazing. So he was, it, yeah. he was stoked Jeez. on it, and um, yeah, he said he's going to race again this weekend. So uh, I think yeah. I think for him, it's like he was super comfortable on that SRAM package, and he's happy with all the the, the build that Canyon bike, and there's a bunch of other Aussies on that team, so. He's super happy over there. Definitely. And uh, and awesome to see Brooke McDonald back racing up to speed, some big smile on his face and and taking massive slams and walking away from him this time. Again, <laughs> that looked like a pretty nasty crash in his race run. 
I just Brooke is is a one of a kind. <laughs> I just like he he said that. I asked him a couple of times, like, were you scared to get back on the bike? Like, whatever. He's like, nope. And then you're like, surely not, though. Surely you were a little bit nervous. <laughs> and then you see him ride and you're like, you were not nervous. You <laughs> are not scared at all. I, I just huh. love that he kept that. <laughs> like, he kept the bulldog um, throughout this whole thing. And, and yet it, it was such an amazing, just like the journey and I, I it was so cool to see or that he kind of let us experience that with him um mm-hmm. going through the rehab process like this is the first time i'm on my bike this is the first time i'm on my downhill bike like you know i'm doing my first race now and um and now i'm, I'm at world championships so i think it's just put a huge smile on everyone's face and it just shows how hard he worked like t- to do all of that like to come back from injury um on top of everything else couldn't walk a year ago and then he's riding like that at a world championship is yeah yeah it's mind-blowing isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah it's awesome to see brooke back and um he's riding fast too like when i (laughs) saw him in practice out at first i was like oh it's awesome brooke's back competing in the race like that's really cool to shit he's gonna beat me in this race (laughs) (laughs) but uh i talked to him a little bit and i think he really wants to kind of put it behind him. He doesn't want it to be like, you know, when Ken Roxon in motocross, when he crashed and broke his arm, they play the replay of that before every race and they make that into the yeah. whole story. He's like, yeah, I broke my back and came back from it, but I don't want that to define me. I want to be right. bulldog again. Just like I could, I'm a downhill racer. I'm, I'm back in the field. So, um, of course, like this whole season, he's going to get that, but hopefully, um, next year he's just, he's just bulldog again. Like he wants to be. Nice. Good stuff. And so now you're back to back with, um, another race and a double, double race weekend in Maribor. So you, you guys have had to sort of hot foot it, put the pits away, stick it in the van and drive across to Maribor and set up again. Yeah. It must've been, must've been a bit of a hectic turnaround. Yeah, it was. And it's, I mean, it's the same for all the teams. It's a, it's about a four hour drive to Maribor. So, um, everybody packed down as quick as they could after the race, which was tough and in, in the snow and, um, the day it's not light very long either. So you don't have much time. So they packed, pack everything up. And then, um, early, early Monday morning, we drove here to Maribor, um, got here and, and put, started putting the pits up at noon. So, well, they had to be up and ready to go today. We have track walk. Um, so it's, I, I don't know. I, it's definitely hectic. It's, it's more of a triple header than a double header in some sense. Cause we only <laughs> raced a couple of days. We're, two days ago really and then today is track walk in, in Maribor and we'll be riding for five days in a row um with this schedule but it's cool that we're doing more racing and I kind of like the the change of of sometimes you know I've been doing it for 10 years and you come and you kind of do the same thing every weekend and there's there's in downhill there's a lot of downtime and even though there's not so many races it takes a lot of time out of your out of your year to be here. You're at a, each race for a week. It's not like you're, Oh, I've got a race on Saturday. Um, it takes a lot of time to commit to it. So to be able to pack more action into it, um, I wouldn't say every single weekend I want to do a double header, but maybe if this goes well, it could be a cool thing, um, to throw in the mix in the future. But 
either way, I'm, I'm super excited for what this week has in store. Um, like I said, today we're, we're going to walk the track. Um, tomorrow we have a practice and then, uh, Thursday qualifying Friday race, like a normal world cup schedule. And then they just basically do Saturday and Sunday. You go back to quality and then a race again. So, okay. Same um, track, similar track. I don't know exactly how much they can change it. Um, I would guess they're going to change it less than more. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to talk too much about that cause I don't know for a fact, but I would imagine it's hard for them to move the, the TV stuff that they have to have in place. Um, so maybe like a few poles will get moved or some sections that they can change will, will be changed. But, um, for the most part, I would guess it'd be the same. You know, we don't have another course inspection. Um, and we only have a, a short window of practice before we qualify on the second, second race. So, I wouldn't guess they would change the tracks so much that um, we didn't have without having that much time to, to you feel it out and everything. So I, I would think it's going to be maybe a few things here and there, maybe nothing at all. Honestly, it would be cool if they did change it a little. But yeah, um, it does seem yeah, like it would be. It seems like it'd be a bit gnarly to like come off of a World Cup race run speed. And then go to qualifying and come down to first run when you only have like what two runs, three runs max, and have like a whole section be different. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, in some ways, it'd kind of be cool. Like it would also kind of be boring to race or to yeah. ride five days in a row on the same track. Totally. Um, so I can't even imagine. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just like a lot of new stuff that's unprecedented so we don't know what to expect but that makes it exciting for me yeah and I, a lot of tired battered riders as well i'm guessing yeah yeah I, I yeah. Always, no go ahead you go i was just gonna say you have to keep that in mind too of like managing your energy through the whole week yeah because i um i always struggled with that like if with world champs um with there being an extra day of practice i would always peak too early and as soon as i peaked it was hard for me to sustain it because it was kind of like, okay, I'm at top speed. Like I kind of don't want to be riding at this speed for like five days straight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's only like you're, you're up to a hundred percent speed. We kind of, you see, I feel like you kind of see that a little bit more at world champs. A lot of the time where people will kind of start blowing up a bit, especially on that uh, practice day after qualifying. Because it's kind of like, okay, uh, what do you do? Like I'm 100% pinned and now, um, yeah, I have to go faster. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the second race goes. And, and if there's like some tactics or something like that, where it's like, okay, I'm going to kind of chill out a bit on this first race and then, um, and then go for the second one or something. Like obviously the top dudes are not going to be doing that, but. I think you just have to be patient with, with building up throughout the weekend. And then once you are up to speed for the second one, maybe you don't need to practice as much. So, right. um, just yeah, being, being smart about it. And, and, and each time when you're on the clock, putting in a super fast run, like you normally would, but m kind of minimizing your risk and managing your energy outside of that. Yeah. And what's the weather looking like, Nico? 30 degrees and sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> no it's uh <laughs> it's cold and raining 
it's the same <laughs> Leo game. It's a little, I mean, it's not going to snow, but it's, um, it's middle of October and in, in the mountains in Europe. So it's exactly what you would expect. What a, well, what's, go on, go on, Elliot. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a nightmare. I'm so glad I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's great, Nico. It's great. It's great. What, what's Maribor like in the wet? Have you ridden there in the wet? It was wet yet last year for uh, for Quali Day. Ah, of course, yeah. It, it yeah. runs good, honestly. It's a good it's the dirt here is pretty good and it um it's almost worse if it's if it's not totally muddy if it's just like greasy because you can then you can still go fast but um everything's like ice so if it's like rains even more where it actually gets soft then it's um i feel like that condition's a little bit maybe safer or, or you're more likely to push in that but there are a lot of roots here so they're gonna get slick and um yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how uh, to first go see the track and then see what the weather and this whole schedule has in store for us this weekend. Yeah, looking forward to it. And it's it's even stricter. You were saying on the COVID side of things, like you've got to have a a vehicle escort into the track and all sorts. Yeah, we had that. Um, we had to go directly to the venue yesterday, check in, um, and then they escort us back to our hotel and back to the track today. So. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things that's like you can figure out in your head how it doesn't make sense. But we said we wanted to race, and this is what they said we had to do if we want to race. So just just do what they say and be happy that we're able to do it. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting. I think uh, I think fans worldwide are very, very happy that there's racing happening. And uh, I'm guessing you guys are pretty glad to be back out there on the hill as well. And it must be nice to catch up with everyone. It's been a, been such a long time. It's never never been this far apart before. Yeah, it is. But in a lot of ways, you can't really get. You're not allowed to go in the lift with another team. You're not allowed to go in the other team's pits. So some guys you kind of see see in passing, but um, it's not as much hanging out or anything. So it's a bit different that way. But um, like you say, all the riders are glad to be here so we're, we're we're not too hung up on those small details good stuff all right well it's been uh it's been really interesting finding out about how the world champs went down for you guys and uh i i, I will definitely be uh keeping up and watching how things go for this weekend and excited to see two races and see how everyone gets on so yeah thanks a lot and hopefully we can catch up again after maribor yeah absolutely looking forward to that thank you guys nice one thanks guys All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Crank Brothers and Kotick for supporting this episode of the show. Head to kotick.co.uk now and check out what they have to offer. My Rocket Max is the fastest and most fun bike I've ever owned, and I'm not the only Kotick owner to be saying that about their bike. If you want a chance to win your choice of Crank Brothers clipping pedals and an M20 multi-tool to install them with, then just head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash Crank Brothers now. That'll take you to the Crank Brothers entry form. You've got until the end of October to get entered. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you fancy representing the show, you can grab yourself a t-shirt or one of our brand new sweatshirts or hoodies by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Keep on telling your rider mates about the podcast. Keep sharing the episodes on your social media and being awesome supporters of the show. It really means a lot and it is the reason why the podcast is still going. If you've got a couple of minutes to leave a review too, then that's also much appreciated. 
All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride. <laughs>